When it comes to fundraising this year, do you have a plan? Do you have a full annual plan? This is Fundraising at Camp by Go Camp Pro. True Camp Mavericks know that money moves the mission, and we're here to keep your mission moving. You can find our show notes at gocamp.pro slash FAC. We here at Go Camp Pro are grateful to the folks at ACA Illinois for their support of our podcast. The American Camp Association of Illinois is made up of nearly 289,000 members, volunteers, campers, families, and professionals who believe in the power of camp. ACA Illinois works to disrupt the effects of poverty by providing fundamental services for children and families and learning opportunities for camp professionals. Learn more about ACA Illinois by visiting acail.org. This Go Camp Pro podcast is brought to you by Camp Brain. Camp Brain not only coordinates your summer camp management needs, but also your conference center bookings and fundraising management, allowing you to use one database to run your camp year-round. Since 1994, Camp Brain has been innovating and constantly adding new features while being backed by a team of 50 passionate and caring staff members. For more information, visit them at campbrain.com F-A-C. Hello, Camp Mavericks. Welcome to the Fundraising at Camp podcast. My name is Travis Allison. Uh, We are excited to talk to you today about the big picture thinking around fundraising for your summer camp. Joe and Heather, welcome to the show. How are you, Heather? Great, Travis. Good to be here. How are you? I am very good. Thank you. Joe, are you better than you sound? I am better than I sound, and if I sound good to you, then I can figure out a way to smoke a lot of cigarettes and get this voice all the time. <laughs> we don't encourage that, uh, but uh, I'm grateful you're here when you're um, sounding a little under the weather. So this is the time of year when we need to be thinking big picture. Many of us are coming off a um, exhausting end of the year fundraising season or fundraising push. Um, a lot of us have taken a little bit of a break on our fundraising thinking and are getting ready for thinking about stuff. At least the three of us are here to encourage you to be thinking about getting ready um, for this season and really giving yourself a bit of focus. So we want to spend time and talk about your annual plan, what that means, what your goals are, etc. Heather, when it comes to you, what are the first? What's the first piece of advice that you would give folks when they're thinking about this big picture? My first piece of advice is to set an annual fundraising goal. Um, and there's really two ways to do that. There's the the easy way and the might get you in trouble way. The easy way is to look at your historical giving. Hmm. Think about where your efforts are and what you could raise um, with each individual portion of your plan. For example, each mailing, what do you get on a typical mailing? What does a typical event raise? What does your whole calendar look like for the year? And what is achievable for you and your team when you're thinking about personal bandwidth, um, all the other stuff you have to do, and how your donor pool is. What we're often pressured to do in nonprofit world is to set a goal that makes the budget zero at the bottom, especially if you're working with a board who thinks, oh, you raised $5,000 last year, you must be magical. So let's put in a goal of $127,000 this year. Remembering how we make uh, smart goals, that Mm -hmm. is not a good idea. 
Um, so I would really caution you against doing that and really work with, with numbers that make sense historically and within your plan. Joe, would you agree? Oh, I, I would agree entirely. I love how you, you said, you know, make it smart and, and realistic. The reality is that sometimes people don't even know where that number comes from. Knowing if you have never done fundraising, concerted fundraising for organizations, it's going to be harder for you to set that number. So you can't feel bad if you set a number and don't reach it. But once again, yeah, don't look at the budget and think, oh, you know what I need to balance this is exactly $69,007, right? And, and the reality is that that's not the best way to go about it. The best way is to look at what you did last year and what is repeatable. And that, I'm not sure where you're at with that, Heather Travis, but the repeatability is key. So if you got a large bequest for $20,000, that's not really repeatable. And bequests should really sit outside of your fundraising plan. It can be a nice thought, a nice idea. Years ago, my board had me put a bequest number in to our budget. It was a low number, like two or $3,000. But eventually when, that, when those board members moved on, I just removed that from the budget because it's not bequest should really be gravy on top or icing on top of the cake or gravy on the, on, on this whole thing. Um, but it has to be repeatable and achievable. It's very hard to get a repeat gift from somebody's will. Or a, or a church that's closed or yeah, any number yeah. of those things. And I think the, the skill is in communicating what the number is and how you got there and really setting up the systems because I, I think I was thinking about a topic for us to talk about again, like what does good reporting look like? There's so many pieces to this puzzle. Like how do we report what into who? So if you're talking to the people that are setting the strategy with you, et cetera. So all of those help you make this practice effective and useful. Like you can pick a number, anyone can pick a number, but you need it to be something that you base it on. I think the other piece to annual fundraising is just from a beginner standpoint is to recognize that that fundraising is cyclical and annual and that it'll come back around again. And so when you're building things for, all right, so this year we're going to try to, you know, have a, a March Madness camper fundraiser and we're going to create all this material and we're creating all this material now thinking that it's going to be this taking off point for the same thing next year at this time. And the one after that, like we're not just building some stuff or having, you know, for many nonprofit camps, just having a volunteer create the system and then it's thrown away and we start from scratch. But I also would say, you know, build systems that are used that you can use over over again, including just the straight up marketing material. If you get in a jam and all you have to do is go to Canva and change 2022 to 2023, then it's at least a you know plan. You're using your resource as well, and then you and, uh, and if it worked in the first year, Travis, there's absolutely. no reason to change it. This yes. is where people people get stuck with the idea that every year they need to write a a really moving and touching year end letter. Did last year's work? Did two years ago work? You can start repeating that stuff, and it's still going to pull the same emotional strings. This is this is a camp director lesson that I do not understand why more people don't get, that there is a two- or three-year memory of camp stuff. So if you did something in staff training three years ago and it worked, you can do it again now, and people won't remember it. You know, for you, it's 
it's fresh because this is your job and this is your focus. But for staff, even those who are in it three years ago will not remember the details. So it's the same with your writing. You can write stuff and use it again. You can use it the next year again if you're in a jam, or you can create a new letter using the formulas that Joe and Heather were so kind to talk to us about in the late fall last year. And, you know, just do your a bit of modification. But you've got a three years, eventually, soon, you're going to have a three year cycle worth of communications. And I think the other important piece, Joe, is that fundraisers shouldn't be planned as one offs. Like the smart, like, a lot of camps will do a fun one-off fundraiser and then just forget about it. And then the next year we're like, what should we do this year? It's like, let's plan on doing stuff for three years. So we truly know what works. And so we can improve on last year. And so our community can get used to hearing from us on this topic about this thing right now. It speaks to so much about fundraising is that it, if you can make it repeatable. So if you do an event, that event can be repeatable. And if you do a letter, that letter can be repeatable. The fresh and new doesn't always outperform the tried and true. And that can be a really interesting way to look at it. I think with the fundraising plan, I think the other part that we need to get into is this idea of knowing what you did so that you can plan what you'll do, right? So having a spreadsheet that goes over, great, what, what did we do for individual giving? And how much did we make from these things? So those can be letter campaigns. Those can be whatever campaigns you've done. Was there major giving, right? So did I go out and talk to three major givers and get one donation? And how can we improve on that? And and you can include things like foundations and corporate and grants all in that to know how you got to that final number, right? So if your final number was $100,000 that you raised, how did you get there? Was it $100,000 in individual giving? That's amazing. That's going to be the meat. That's where you're always going to get giving is individual giving. But I, I think having knowing what you did, knowing what worked can also allow you to lose things, right? To to cut things out if you don't need them. Yeah. And it's a little bit counterintuitive, especially to those of us who grew up through the being a program person, program coordinator, program director, where we always want to do something new and fresh and fun. That's not necessarily your friend in fundraising, especially when you get that core of tried and true. I will crawl across hot glass to support your camp donors. Your tried and true donors are going to start thinking and planning their year around your fundraising year. They're going to want to come to your dinners. They're going to want to put money aside for the campaigns that they know are coming. It's very counterintuitive for those of us in camp, but rep repetition in fundraising is your friend. What are some other elements of things that should go into a plan that may surprise people? I think the answer to that question, Travis, is that you need to look at um, not just what you did and what the success was, but what tools got you there. Was it a mailing and was it what was the plan for it as far as, you know, did you use your donor database? Did you do online giving? Did you do a card at an event? Did you test out things at those events? Not everybody's going to have the time or energy to do that, but did you put two different giving cards on the tables so that you can see actually which giving card got more people to give. I think that the idea that some people in a plan is planning how, when you're going to do it, when it fits into your year, when it fits into your energy level, and also how it matches with everything else. So if you do a letter campaign, you also should be matching those things on your social media at the time and 
um, your website should have something about it right there on the on the homepage so that people can see it. If they hear about it from a friend and log on and they've never gotten the letter, I think those are important components of of your plan is to think through how it is how it is shared and how you deal with people who who get shared it without the letter. What other things do you think, Heather? I think you need to think about what else is going on um, globally and even within your camp structure. If this is going to be your 100th anniversary of your summer camp, this is probably not the year to start a you know, planned giving campaign or a, a brand new event that has nothing to do with your anniversary. You really have to think through what you and your staff and your volunteers can pull off. Um, once I have my number, I print out a blank calendar. And I start putting in the dates that I want to mail a letter. And then I back up to say, I want it finished by this date so it can be edited and you know mailed by this date. So this is the date I want it to arrive in the hands of my donors. And I do that for every event and every campaign. And then I start sending out that information to my team to say, here's the timeline I need for this. Here are your parts so that we can all be ready and we're not all sitting in the office at 11.59 and I want them to go out at midnight and we're all folding and stuffing and licking. We'd like to avoid that. And Heather, for your plan, because I don't have a solid plan, but like if you had a solid plan, how many new things would you would you introduce in a given year? Maybe one. And only if I were replacing something that weren't that wasn't working. I think if we had a, a, a dinner or an event that had just outlived its usefulness, and I would measure that by saying, are we making money on the event when we factor in direct costs and indirect costs like my time? And if we're not clearing as much money as I could make having coffee with one of our main donors, then I'm not doing it. So I would only add new if I was replacing old. And I, I also think it's worth matching Heather's calendar up against the camp calendar too. Like when are you going to be communicating? And I think this is worth reiterating. Like when are we going to be communicating a lot of stuff about camp stuff, you know, coming to camp or, you know, all of the communications that go in around launching camp things. So you're not, your messages aren't getting mixed up. Now, one of the things that, we have to be aware of cognitive biases in this and not assume that because we're emailing about something else that they're not going to read the, this thing about fundraising. It always, I'll tell you, every year it astonishes me that nonprofits make so much money in the last six weeks of the year because there is so much communication coming their way. And so my communication brain says we need to not be in that mix. We could make more money if we weren't in that mix, but it's just where people are at at that time of the year. And 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 so we need to think this through and not make assumptions as I, as I do and coordinate stuff, but be willing to test. Maybe it is a good time of year to back a certain you know, part of your campaign, if you're talking, you know, a campership fund kind of thing, there are times of the year where people are more aware of camp and the value of camp and this, and I've heard more stories from camp, then you can tailor stuff around that too. But I also think one of your biases showed Travis, which is that we're not communicating the people we're asking for money. The majority of those fair. people aren't sending their kids to totally camp. fair. Totally. And fair. so Although you need to be aware for social media campaigns and things of that nature that people are going to be viewing this, 
The reality is if you've segmented your list and you know how many, the parents who are donors versus the majority of your donors are going to be very different. And so you need to be very aware of where that overlap is. And, and those are the people you might be concerned about with some communication mix up, but the majority of donors aren't actually camper parents. That's an excellent point. Well, not anymore. Anyway, mm. they probably were at one time. Not currently camper parents. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. That's great. I thank you, Joe. I, that's a really smart point. What sort of things would you put on the calendar, Heather, that you talk about? I would put anything that involved my time or the time of my staff. Mm. Mm. So if I had a super volunteer that was going to do the, let's say they were going to do the Christmas card mailing for us. Then the only thing that I would put on that calendar about that would be call the volunteer and remind them and make sure I order the cards. That would be it. Um, however, if I was going to put the flipping golf outing on there, which I hate with a red hot passion, <laughs> then I would have to put, you know, all of the steps that had to do with coordinating the golf outing on there especially the ones that interfere with summer camp. So if I have to call the country club on June the 1st, I need to make myself a giant note about that because I have other things going on June the 1st. But I would put everything related to any event, any campaign, any mailing I was doing on that calendar for two reasons. Number one, so I could keep track of it. Number two, so I could wrap my head around and not end up at the last minute trying to scribble out a letter that needs needed to go out three weeks ago. So even if I wave to the deadline as it goes by on my calendar, at least I see it. And I know that I was supposed to be on top of that. And I can, it's like your camp schedule. You know, you have a schedule for every day. Maybe it all goes to pot, but at least when you are able to take a breath, you can look at the schedule and say, oh, here's what we're supposed to be doing. Let's all go to the pool. Yeah, I think the the idea of having an actual schedule that you can follow, at least then you know where you're where it's supposed to go. And if you have someone you're managing this with, then it is easy to to point out the schedule. I think one of the things I've done recently is I'm taking a course from the fundraising lab, and I've put a link in the show notes about planning with a purpose. So it's an eight week course specifically on how to create your your fundraising plan, because I. As over the past 10 months, I've been the only person in our camp office. And so I've watched many of those deadlines come and I've waved them goodbye as I choose to make choices about where I spend, uh, you know, the limited time that I have and resources. And to be kind to yourself. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I think that finding a template online for a course is pretty easy as, or for a, for a plan is pretty Mm -hmm. easy as well, you know, and making sure that, you know, that at least it's written out. You've shared it with someone in your organization who, and some volunteers who might need to to know about it. And because once you share, accountability comes into it as well. Because sometimes it's right. that it, once you've shared, it's not just you waving goodbye to it. It's somebody else being like, "Hey, aren't we doing this now?" Yeah. And then you can corral them into doing more. Yeah, and the flip side of that is true as well. You know, if you have somebody on your board that's maybe giving you a little bit of grief about time and what you're doing, you know, showing them that calendar and saying, here's everything that leads up to the fall mailing, or here's everything that has to be done for the spring dinner, 
tell me where you'd like to plug in as a volunteer. But Travis, can we go back a little bit to talking about um, once you set your goal, how you make the plan to actually reach it? Please, yes. So if you are brand new to this and you don't have you know cor- corporate gifts that you're thinking about or plan giving or grants or anything, and you're just talking about individual donors, then the 80-20 rule applies. And 80% of your goal is going to come from your top 20% of donors. So if you were to make your donor list in order of, of gift amounts and you draw the line at the top 20%, then as you're planning your goal and as you're thinking about it, you can plan on, you know, if you have a $10,000 goal, 8,000 of that is going to come from your top 20% donors in general. So as oh, you're thinking about what to set the goal at, that's that's a good rule of thumb. That's great. That's totally helpful. The other part of that is prioritizing your time and effort. So if you're spending 80% of your effort on those 20%, then that's good effort. But if you're spending 80% of your effort on, you know, getting the other 80% of people who actually do it, like be smart camp professionals, focus on what works. And, you know, when you get to the other part of the list or those other smaller donors, then, you know, be willing to experiment only when you can, when you have the time and energy um, and put time into them. It gives you a way to prioritize yourself. Thank you, Heather. I think that that gives people a good starting point. So there's a few things I made some notes for us to talk about in the future coming out of this conversation. I hope that the two of you do the same as well, but I, I want to take time now and we'll move on to our tool of the week in just a second. But first I want to thank Camp Rain for their sponsorship. Camp Rain does an annual survey with all of their clients, all of their camps. And when Crystal Coleman from Gasper River Catholic Retreat Center was asked about what it meant to be a Camp Rain client and what they, what Crystal got out of that, their use of Camp Rain, she said, the, the program itself is organized well, easy to use, and has report tools that I use every single day. The support team is great at answering questions and building custom reports to meet our specific needs. So the things I would draw your attention to is that you can report on what you need. And if you are not getting the information you need, then Camp Rain will make that happen for you. You call up your rep and they can create those reports for you. The fundraising module will let you visualize your entire relationship with a donor. And so as Joe rightfully pointed out, a lot of your donors maybe will probably be past camp families, but you have their information in there. And that gives you some of the smart communication tools that we've talked about, knowing a bit about their families, knowing how they're connected, et cetera. This way you don't have multiple mailing lists and different software systems. And Camp Rain really is is innovating all the time for new features and they care about the stuff that makes your job easier. So if you're looking for more information and you want to check out Camp Rain because you're a Camp Rain user already, or you are looking to change so your camp brain is already and you're interested in fundraising module, or you're looking for a new camp database system, we hope you'll go to campbrain.com slash F-A-C. Heather, what is your tool of the week this week? My tool of the week is from Causebox, and it's just a simple outline on how to write a fundraising plan. Um, you can do a Google search and find lots and lots of examples, um, but this is just one that I've put in the show notes for your use. 
Excellent. Thank you. How about you, Joe? I'd like to share two things. I, I mentioned in passing the Better Fundraising Lab course on, on writing a fundraising plan. If you can afford it, it's great. A lot of great information and, and they give templates and a bunch of resources. The other thing that I would recommend you do is sign up for something called Free Review Fridays, which is part of the Better Fundraising Companies and Work Less, Raise More's partnership. And every Friday from, I don't, I, every Friday, let's say from one till two Eastern time, they review fundraising asks, letters, envelopes, a whole deal. It's fascinating to watch. And even if you sign up, you can watch those at any time. Free review Fridays. That's great. Thank you. I have sat, I have watched some of the free review Friday videos and have been just so excited by the stuff that they talk about and what comes out of this. That's great. Thank you, Joe. Uh, my tool of the week is called the New Year Calendar. And um, when Heather was talking about printing stuff off and just trying to get a whole picture, um, I wanted to, to talk about that New Year Calendar. You can get a New Year Calendar 12 months, all of the days on one sheet, the size of a whiteboard, basically, that you can see the whole year at a glance. And the nice thing about the New Year Calendar is that it can you can either get a calendar that starts on January 1st, um, if you're thinking as we are like into the new year, we plan for an annual campaign, or you can get ones that start on September 1st that is more aligned with the camp year. So whatever you need, those calendars are available to you. They're just print off paper that um, you get a new one every year because it's paper, but it allows you to write stuff out and see the whole year at a glance. And I think it's a, a pretty great tool for this big picture thinking that we're talking about and talking about an annual plan. So before we go and uh, I have a couple of things before we wrap up on some other things I, I want to talk about just quickly, but in between that, I want to remind you that this show is sponsored by the American Camp Association of Illinois. We're grateful for their sponsorship and thankful that they allow us to bring this information to you. Um, at the American Camp Association of Illinois, their work is driven by their passion and aim to make the world a better place. They do that by using camp as a tool of transformation. Their accreditation program is re renowned nationally for its distinct peer review experience for the coaching that local camps can get and local agencies can get for running safe, quality programs that change lives. To learn more about this accreditation program, including the benefits of participating, you can go to acail.org. So that obviously is for camps in the state of Illinois, but the ACA of Illinois has been so gracious in sharing, sharing so many resources and has been open to be a resource for camp professionals from around the world. And that is why we're excited to have them here as a sponsor for the Fundraising at Camp podcast. So again, if you want some more information, you can go to acail.org. And uh, we thank them for the sponsorship. So on the way out, I want to say one other thing. I want to take time going forward and just highlight one other GoCamp Pro podcast that we think would be of interest to you. In this case, I'm going to be a little self-serving and we'll talk about the Camp Hacker podcast that Joe and I have been running with our friend Gab um, for now 12 seasons. 
And it is a show where we talk about the big picture issues about camp. And we had a great conversation this week that we're excited to talk to you. And we've talked about important things about your job, like how to be a better delegator, but also just big picture impacts on the things that can affect how well you do your job. And we're always there for you to do that. So we I would encourage you to just search for the Camp Hacker podcast in your podcast app. And if this show has been helpful, if thinking about making an annual plan and how it, you know, what you should put into it, et cetera, this has been helpful. Please just take a screenshot of the show and share it out to your friends and uh, let them know that you got some good information from the Fundraising at Camp podcast. Joe, I want to thank you for being here, even though you're not feeling super great. If people have follow-up questions, how can they get in touch? The best way to follow up with me is uh, email, joe at campisbetter.com, because life is good, camp is better. Excellent. Thanks, Joe. Heather? Um, people can reach me by email as well. It's heather at jamonville.org, because, Joe, there's no bill like Jamonville. Excellent. Excellent. If you want to share your feedback of the show or have ideas or questions, things that we can answer for you, please reach out to me, Travis at gocamp.pro. If you're looking for our show notes, you can go to gocamp.pro slash FAC to find all of the past episodes and catch up with them. But again, please just Put fundraising at camp into your search bar in your podcast app, and you'll find us there and you'll catch up on all of the past episodes as well. So thank you both for being here. And I'm so grateful to people that are watching us on YouTube and uh, people that take us for walks with you when you're walking the dog and stuff like that. Joe, is that a YouTube thing? Um, okay. If bonus, if you only listen to us, you should go check out this episode stuff on YouTube because Joe was pointing out things in his background. I want to thank you both. So grateful to have you here. Yet another show that ends in giggles. Take care, everybody. Fundraising at Camp is a part of the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network. Find a podcast for camp pros of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Hey, Camp Pros, we love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker podcast, conference, summer camp professionals group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more Camp Pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.